4,000 Words is funded by the generosity of the patrons of Infinite Hermit Productions. If you'd like to contribute and get access to works in progress, complete stories, exclusive podcasts and Parapod movie, pictures, updates and rarities, please visit patreon.com forward slash Ian Bowlesworth or visit ianbowlesworth.co.uk for more details. Danny looked up into the sky and chose a cloud peripheral enough to the sun to stare at. He knew enough to not stare right at the sun. People went blind from doing that. Sure enough, the thought of this made him dare himself to look. He had climbed up onto the wall across from the chip shop and sat with his heels drumming against it. It was very rare that the wall was free to sit on, being usually monopolised by any one of the Year 10 gangs. In these instances, there was not a chance in the world that Danny would be in the vicinity. They'd shout across at him, methodically, as he entered the chip shop, and again, regular as clockwork, when he left with his supplies. He lifted a shielding hand to his eyes and squinted across the high street, through the window of the chip shop. There was Meg, working her way through a queue of five or six people. Her movements were abrupt and efficient, scooping, salting, vinegaring, wrapping, banking. It was all elbows, but effective. The queue diminished and replenished, and Meg never dropped a beat. Danny let out a breathy sigh, and hit his heels harder against the wall, both his legs bouncing back out with some force and almost tipping him backwards. He steadied himself, wriggling till he was safely back on the ledge, before looking directly at the sun with defiance. It was a split second, and he quickly blinked his eyes tightly shut, panicking that there would be nothing there when he dared reopen them. He felt an instant sweat on the back of his knees and opened his eyes to see. He could see. There was a perfectly circular green blob in his vision, but he blinked it away. Why doesn't everyone panic about the sun? At his school, they couldn't run in the corridors because they may cause a collision or slip on a recently mopped floor and fly through a window. They were not allowed anywhere near the maintenance shed that stood at the end of B block by the side of the playing fields. No reason was given for this, but the fact the shed gave out an electro hum constantly, which could be faintly heard as far away as the field hedge, implied that there was something which shouldn't be touched by curious little hands. Annoying for Danny, as the far side of the shed was an ideal sanctuary when he wished to avoid the cruel attention his chubby 11-year-old body prompted. The bus ring was another place he would dearly love to escape to, a huge roundabout hidden behind the sports centre where school buses and coaches dropped off in the morning and collected in the afternoon. Again, another place out of bounds outside those hours. Maybe it was in case a rogue bus driver snapped and drove back there in the daytime, screaming out of his windows that enough was enough as he lapped the ring with increasing speed and ferocity. Danny chuckled at the phrase lap of the ring and glanced back over to the chippy. Meg was still there, 
She was going to be there all lunch hour, wasn't she? The sun is made of gas, and the gas is always on fire. It's hotter than imaginable, and it has no safety rail around it. You couldn't even put a sign up to say, keep away from the sun, because the sign would burst into flames and disintegrate about 20 million miles before arrival. And that would have to be sent by a lead-lined robot, as humans would die 46 million miles from the sun due to radiation. The sun is basically a lawless accident waiting to happen. These facts made Danny panic about the sun regularly. There's nothing in place to stop it doing whatever it wants to do. The helium and hydrogen has nothing keeping it stable and in place, and the whole thing could go supernova in a second. It could literally spill out of the sky. If you had a tiny sun just loose in your house, even the size of a pea, you'd never spend any time browsing in the shops. You'd always be rushing home in panic that it had destroyed everything in your absence. In fact, you probably wouldn't even leave the house, or you'd get some sort of container that kept your pea sun secure. Yet there's one of those with a diameter of 865,000 miles just hanging about in the sky. And nobody gives it a second thought. Between the scrum of shoulders queuing for their lunches, Meg could see Danny sat over on the wall. He was staring up into the sky again, and she smiled to herself while scooping scraps over the mound of chips laying on the paper before her. Assuming the beam was for him, the bloke she was serving smiled back, only to be flummoxed by the sudden tightening of her lips as she wrapped his chips. He was too embarrassed by his misjudgment to ask her to reopen them for the salt and vinegar she didn't offer, so instead paid and left quickly. Before her next customer spoke, Meg cast another glance over at Danny, who remained gazing skywards. Officially, Meg was retired, but barring that one week after leaving the school, had worked in the chippy for the last four years. She'd worked at the school for nearly 40 years, and had expected to find her freedom welcome. But it had only been a couple of days before she'd found herself looking back instead of forward. She'd started in the dinner hall kitchen, barely out of school herself, handing hot plates of mush through to kids that quickly dropped them onto their trays. There were nights when she'd hear the echo of her own voice saying, the plate's hot, over and over, but she loved working there. There were polite kids, shy kids, cheeky kids and extroverts. She knew on sight who would return for seconds, and chose favourites to get more chips or extra gravy, in stark contrast to the meticulously standardised portions she scooped to perfection nowadays. With one exception. Danny got preferential treatment in the chip shop. He got more chips and a ladle of free curry sauce, accompanied by a finger to her lips and a covert wink. In her last five years at the school, Meg had been moved to the playground. This was a signal that time was winding down, and she'd seen many a dinner lady before her make the journey. Whenever there was a retirement from the playground, anticipation and dread spread around the kitchen to see who would be summoned for terminal duty on the pre-retirement tarmac. When it was her turn, 
The first morning had been the only time in her entire career that she travelled to work under a cloud. By the journey home, though, she was walking on air. It had been wonderful. The noise and the space had all made her wish she'd volunteered to do this job from the off. Most of all, though, the very best part of it were the shoulder monkeys. The shoulder monkeys made every dinner hour of those last five years an absolute joy. The majority of kids in the dinner hour would disperse at speed the second they were out of the dinner hall. They would shoot off across the field or the playground, kicking an underinflated football high into the air to chase after. Some would scatter towards the field edges, with the mistaken belief that the clouds of cigarette smoke surrounding them wouldn't be a dead giveaway. Others would walk together down towards the high street, kicking stones or linking arms, on their way to the chippy that she stood in right now. The shoulder monkeys did not disperse, though. They stuck to her like glue. From their earliest opportunity, they would accompany her, a chattering shadow that occasionally blushed after accidentally calling her mum. That's what she felt like, though. A mum to all of them. Danny was a shoulder monkey gone rogue. He shouldn't even be on the high street, but the enticing smell of the chips had pulled him away from the gravitational pull of whichever dinner lady he should be trailing. She caught him, in another glance from across the street, and waved her fingers back his way as she dropped a battered sausage onto yet another bed of chips. Despite the distance, she could still discern his face flushing and looking away, squinting off into the horizon at some pretend distraction. Poor lad. In ten years' time she could see him doing a similar stakeout across the road from the house of whichever beauty had turned his head. But for now his true love was currently being wrapped in greaseproof paper and sent home in the arms of another. When Meg had been a little younger than Danny and her parents were still trying in vain to ensure she was addressed as Margaret, they had bought her a book of stories that involved children ending up in calamitous situations because of their own bad habits. There was a tale of a girl who burned to death from playing with matches, a boy who starved to death after refusing to eat his soup, but her favourite was a story about a boy who never looked where he was going. He eventually walked into a canal. Whenever she saw Danny, she thought of that tale. Always distracted, always off on some trip of fanciful thought, his only focus was when he pressed his nose against the hot glass in the chip shop and began the task of choosing which fried delight he would politely request to go with his chips and free curry sauce. Now he had only the distraction. Meg had been instructed, in no uncertain terms, that she was not to serve Danny for the foreseeable future unless one of his parents was present. His mum had started her request calmly telling Meg that they were worried about his weight and health. But when Meg countered that she thought he was only carrying a bit of puppy fat, she'd been railroaded for, what was the phrase she used? Validating self-abuse, was it? It was something ridiculous. She'd thought it was a joke at first, as his mum was a size herself, but no, she got given the rounds of her own kitchen and properly told, until she eventually looked away pointedly and reluctantly agreed. She saw bigger buggers than Danny on a daily basis, and couldn't for the life of her see the harm in this kid having a chippy every lunch hour. But it wasn't a decision for her to make. It wasn't going to kill him at his age. Let him eat what they want. 
There were hordes of stick-thin kids wandering the high street. They were the ones with a problem, wasting away to nothing like the lad in the story with the soup. It broke her heart to see him over there, where those awful little shits usually hung around shouting names at Danny. He was looking up again, his arms shielding his eyes against the sun. She'd wager his tummy was rumbling like thunder too. Danny looked directly into the sun again and turned his head away fast, causing balance issues that couldn't be rectified. Meg had clearly clocked him on his vigil. She'd know full well that he was harbouring hope of her disappearing so he could beat the ban and be served by somebody uninformed. He tumbled ungraciously behind the wall into thankfully overgrown soft grass, which was not so thankfully soaking wet. His impact was accompanied by a loud squelch, soaking through his school uniform in a heartbeat. For all its furious beating down, the sun was yet to dry away the results of the recent downpours. He lay on his back, resisting the urge to quickly scramble and declare himself okay. Clouds continued to rally past above him, sporadically dimming the illumination. Accompanying the sound of the wet landing, there had been another sound. Laughter. Not fair. Not fair. Not fair. Meg's had not been the only eyes to spot him on the wall, and these others were far more territorial. He could hear them running to see. It was only a matter of moments till he would be assaulted with every unoriginal weight-based slander once again. There was nowhere to run away, no avoidance possible. He lay in filth, sodden and humiliated already. A very difficult position to take the upper hand with. He was so hungry it hurt. Opening his eyes, in total darkness, he now wondered why he'd bothered to close them. This trait of overthinking had not left him, and he concentrated on not allowing it to distract, especially given the conclusion of the memory he was revisiting. It had initially been a case of revisiting to see what had actually occurred, to try and understand how the impossibilities came true. Now, he liked to go back to see Meg. With every visit, he understood a touch more how little he'd ever known about her. Not that this was a catalyst for any self-loathing. There was no reason why he should know the history of the lady who worked in the chip shop. But it would have perhaps been easier for him to accept her as collateral damage had there been something in her life for karma to rectify. Nothing, though. Not a scrap of indiscretion with the lady who was always so kind to him. She would shake her head at the gangs outside and give him a reassuring smile when he entered. She hadn't wanted to go along with the ban. She'd been on his side. Now she represented everyone who hadn't deserved to be obliterated by the powers he had no idea he'd ever possessed. He always had to pause here. Reaching towards the side table he knew was in the dark beside him, he allowed himself to encourage the glass towards his grasp. As he felt the cool surface hit his palm, he closed his fingers around it and lifted it to his mouth. The sound of his drinking lips would have been unnoticeable in any other environment, but here in this silent darkness, they smacked as wetly as when his back had hit that grass behind the wall. If there had been anybody to feel self-conscious around, he would have done. There was nobody, though. 
just him, alone, in the dark and silent room, once again playing back impossible memories from 70 years ago. He released his fingers from the glass and let it find its own way back to the side table, waiting for the tap of it landing safely before returning to his recollections. He stared around the room, his eyes straining to see something. The light seal ensured that there was nothing to see. There was no spill of shadow, no glimmer to catch against something for his sight to adjust to, even though he was well aware that the only things in this room were himself, the chair he sat on, and the side table with the glass. He would have perhaps liked to see a gradient of shade on a wall or corner, something that contained him, whilst he thought of that moment when he discovered he was uncontainable. Only four of the five had been able to jump up and peer over the wall, whilst another, the smallest, had made his way around the side for a full view. He bent double on seeing Danny, gasping through laughs, and unable to articulate the myriad of cruel observations fighting for declaration in his tiny, yet soon-to-be-expanded, brain. Shrieks also came from the wall above, from all but the ringleader. She looked down at him, with curious assessment, but was content to allow her lackeys to act as Greek chorus. She pulled back her arms and dropped from the wall and out of Danny's view, reappearing around the side behind the hyena a few moments later and grabbing Danny by the shoulder. In the dark room, Danny's pulse quickened. He adjusted himself in the chair whilst noticing that his mouth had dried again. The glass remained on the side table this time. The girl was Leanne Marshall, a brusque, thick-set, brutish girl with fiery red hair who towered above every other child in year 10. The intimidation her reputation carried had ensured Danny had previously taken a wide berth around her wide berth, but now her grip was pulling him to his feet. This was the same girl that was known for flinging Year 7s great distances with one hand, or shaking them down by the throat for the sound of coins. Now she was helping him to his feet, with only the slightest of smirks. The dark room rumbled, and Danny breathed slowly to tame the growing rage, until silence was restored. As he found his feet, his glasses slid from his nose. They were already dislodged from his ears, and his attempts to catch them as they fell amounted to merely batting them from hand to hand as they passed. They landed in the soft grass by his feet. He looked at Leanne, and saw her eyes had not followed them. She was staring directly at him. He swallowed, and crouched down to retrieve them. In the dark room, Danny willed his former self to not do this, but he had no control over events past. Both Danny now and Danny then considered that the resultant action would be what it was. As his hand had reached for his frames, he realised how vulnerable he was, but didn't think anyone would stoop so low as to do what Leanne Marshall then did. It didn't even hurt. 
it was just a loud, dull bang. His eyes immediately streamed as he used his hands to steady himself in the wet grass. His nose felt stuffed, and the same sting he'd felt when accidentally inhaling swimming pool water took over him. As Danny sat in the darkness, he became aware that his eyes streamed there too. Just as he had behind the wall, he surrendered to the rage. The kick to the face knocked his head back with such force that he again faced the sky. Strangely, even with his prediction, the kick came as a surprise. It was too brutal. The maltreatment had been constant enough for him to mature into being philosophical about it. It cornered and isolated Danny, but his retreat hadn't been pathetic. His bedroom was a sanctuary and the bookcases had filled. He read beyond his age, fantastical, romantic, dramatic stories, broadening his soul. He learned about balance and retribution, committed to calm. The harder they pushed with their vicious provocation, the more zen Danny had become. He simply avoided them whenever possible, but when the moments came, he accepted. Just as he hadn't shot up from the wet grass immediately, there was no benefit in panicked reaction. Absorb the abuse. Take it from them. Don't push it immediately back. Let it dissolve within. He stole every cruelty from them. They would look at him, dumbfounded, as he didn't capitulate. In truth, he could not work out what he was doing wrong. They told him he was fat, but he knew he was fat. They laughed at it, and he couldn't work out why. He traced his size back to the food that he enjoyed eating. There was no bad side to it. His entire transaction and journey was a contented one. The only downside to his existence was the hurt of the things they said. They were the only misery. Then the ban came, bringing more misery. These were the true problems. His own family had sided with his abusers. They'd not instilled in him a confidence to exist in whatever way he wished to. They were trying to encourage him to curtail to external mockery. If they attack your appearance, change your appearance. It didn't hold up to scrutiny. He couldn't accept it. In the dark room, Danny now blinked another tear as he recalled the uncomfortable truth of his parents compounding. He clearly saw Leanne's shock at the scream of his younger self. It had pierced her. The zen disappeared. The hunger had been so tangible within him. It had flowed from his stomach to his brain and focused into a precise power. All he'd had to do was find the moment to let it free. Despite what he knew now, all these years later, at that time, he'd had no insight into the final thoughts of Leanne. She'd secretly sickened herself as her boot had crushed Danny's nose. Within the prominently displayed bravado, she was as lost as anyone. She'd worked intensely not to be scared, to keep up the appearance for three years, vowing to never again be on the receiving end as she had in junior school, when her own size had been the target of other tormentors. She'd gained her acolytes 
and kept them afraid. But the escalation of threats required to keep that mood had caused her more discomfort by the day. She'd stolen things she didn't want to steal, shouted names at people without any emotional thought, purely to trigger approving laughter from her morose clan. They cheered when her foot connected, but she'd felt no urge to bask in the chorus of approval. She'd just wish she could reveal herself to Danny. As the blood wet his lips, she urged to console him, to share that they were as lost as each other. Danny knew this now. He also knew now that she'd have never broken the character she created. She would have never put a comforting arm around him. She'd have never said sorry for any of her violent actions or horrible names. He was impassive as the shock on her face was torn away with the skin leaving her body. His scream had ripped her flesh apart and she hung limply in the air for a split second that felt like eternity. Eternity then, not what he knew it was now. It was quick enough that her sycophantic companion still laughed as he forced his rage out. Her front travelled right through her, hitting the wall before the rest of her did. Meg felt the wet thud reverberate. The queue turned around and she followed their gaze across the road. The little shits were surrounding Danny again and she wanted to leave and ally herself with him. She cursed his parents. He'd have been safely in the shop or supplied with a dinner that he could have taken away to sanctuary as she shook her head. A collective gasp made her look closer. One of the gang had hit the floor. Danny was fighting back. Finally. In front of her, a kid from the school was leaning over the counter. Her chin raised as she peered to see the golden feast so nearly within grasp. A hungry kid Meg was able to feed. She gave a bonus scoop of chips as the window of the chip shop cracked into a meticulous spiderweb. The bang seemed to come after the impact and some ducked down, anticipating the glass coming through. Whatever had caused the impact had already slid fast to the ground outside, leaving a red trail of wet. There was panic, but Meg just stared. Danny looked straight into the sun. He did not blink or need to avert his gaze. He stared, a pure white sphere that no longer dazzled him. The yellow glow dulled to his eyes. He felt the pull as he drew the power towards him. His hunger was abating. It was feeding him. Running footsteps moved towards him, but a sharp glance at the sound nullified any threat. The laughing boy was no longer laughing. He snarled unconvincingly. The fear was unmasked before the boy was pulped, exploding backwards and covering a seemingly impossible area with blood and bone. There were screams. Danny looked back to the sun, willing it towards him. In the dark room, Danny saw Meg. Amongst the chaos, the only thing that unnerved her was her own calm. She could sense Danny's rage, but she'd always sensed it. She smiled for the final time at the falling sun 
and a trillion blazing shards that blew away with oblivion. Four Thousand Words is an Infinite Hermit production, written and read by Ian Bowlesworth. The music was by Thomas Funderay. Four Thousand Words is funded by the generosity of the patrons of Infinite Hermit Productions. If you'd like to contribute and get access to works in progress, complete stories, exclusive podcasts and Parapod movie, pictures, updates and rarities, please visit patreon.com forward slash Ian Bowlesworth or visit ianbowlesworth.co.uk for more details.